Stand-Ups, and this is another edition of the Camera Books Podcast, Above and Beyond. Uh, on this episode, I interview Bryce Sidoris. Bryce is a former Marine Corps officer. Uh, he started his career on the uh, Marine Corps wrestling team, and he was also part of the U.S. Gro- uh, US Greco-Roman national team, where he went through the Olympic cycle in 2012 and 2016 before serving a little bit more time as a ground supply officer in the Marine Corps and then ultimately transitioning about two and a half years ago. So uh, Bryce has uh, started his career out in the Pacific Northwest, a little bit north of Portland, where he went to work for Altec, had a very successful conference, got every company to say yes to him, got a bunch of offers and made a choice to go work for Altec. So we talk a little bit about that. Why'd you make the choice? What do you do? How'd you get up and running? Um, he's in a sales and business development role, so we kind of talked through that. Uh, a little bit later in the conversation, I discovered he had just interviewed not too long ago for a higher-level strategic role, which he was able to get. And so he tells us a little bit about that. But really, what really what I wanted to do in this phone call with Bryce is just dig into kind of some of his thought process as it relates to going to Altec, how to get up and running in a sales territory, in underdeveloped sales territory in this case. Um, and how to be successful in that. And the reason I thought that was important is because a lot of times I feel a lot of questions from folks who might have a little bit of an interest in sales, but want to know more about it, want to want to understand uh, how to be successful in the role, considering the, the overwhelming vast majority of military officers don't do anything that relates to a true sales type of role. And so in this call, um, uh, we want to, I wanted to dig into it and hear from Bryce a little bit. So hopefully this will be valuable to you. Hopefully you'll get some get some nuggets out of there that you can consider and ponder. And perhaps we can chat about those when we chat uh, about your interest in, uh, in this type of work. If you, uh, if, if you're new to this podcast and don't know anything about us, you can learn a lot about who we are, how we help military officers transition. We have a lot of resources out there. Uh, go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can find us on social media platforms. Obviously this episode is uh, followed by uh, about 100 before this. So you could go and listen to a lot of former military officers talk about their experience um, in corporate America. Uh, Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Bryce. Okay, Bryce, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you start off by giving us the very high level and, you know, a minute or two here, give us a high level of what you did in the Marine Corps leading up to your transition so everyone can get a sense of where you're coming from. Yeah, so I was uh, captain of the Marine Corps stationed out in uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and uh, my my career was a, a bit unique. The first few years, I was on the the Marine Corps wrestling team, um, and, and and the U.S. Greco-Roman national team, and competed through the 12 and 16 Olympic cycles. After I was done uh, at the 16. Uh, Rio Olympics, I transitioned back into the Fleet Marine Corps and was a former security force advisor. So mm-hmm. I I deployed on one of the MAGTAFs uh, based out of uh, Signola, Italy. And then from there, I was running teams in and out of Africa for my eight-month deployment. So it really just uh, focused on the theater security cooperation um, and and all the initiatives that, that we had training the foreign militaries. So I did that the, the latter half of my career before transitioning out, and uh, it was a fantastic time. Had had, had a lot of fun, and uh, you know it was just a 
great opportunity, but at the same time, you know, we had been, well, at least my family and I had had our sights on transitioning out, and we did so in January of 18. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when, uh, when I went back to do a little preparation for this call, I went back and read the notes that I made on our very first conversation. You and I actually spoke for the first time on October 30th of 2013. So we've been, we've been (laughs) friends now for almost seven years. And, uh, so I'm glad that we're meeting. I know you've been out of the military kind of doing your thing for, two and a half years now and I'm looking forward to jumping into it, but I do appreciate again, taking some time out and, uh, and spending time with us. So, uh, yeah, why don't we, yeah, why don't we start with your company? Describe if you would Altec, what do you do, you know, and, and really try to do it from the perspective of, okay, if you were a junior military officer getting out or considering getting out and looking at options, like describe your company to someone um, uh, in terms of uh, giving them the perspective that they would need to know and some of the decision-making that they may have. Absolutely. So so Altec is a, a family-owned, third-generation uh, manufacturing company. So at its core, we manufacture bucket trucks. And so we'll take any major uh, OEM or, or, or manufacturer of chassis, and we build bodies and, and and units which you know from the outside looking in it's it's we put people in the air so uh we have like major manufacturing facilities throughout the country uh we also uh manufacture worldwide and so our company from cradle to grave will take a bucket truck and essentially allow the end user pretty much to do whatever you can possibly think of, whether it's uh, purchase, lease, rent. Um, we we have, you know, our, our own parts segment. So we essentially help multiple industries uh, where, you know, folks are using cranes or buckets, whether it's electric utility to tree care to, to license signs. So uh, Altec's been, been manufacturing bucket trucks for, for 90 years. Uh, it's one of the leading uh, manufacturers, uh, you know, across multiple industries. So, fantastic company. Uh, you know, as far as from a a Marine Corps or, or Army or you know just any officer from the outside looking in, uh, what was important to me was you know maintaining a a sense of culture and and. and closeness that I had with with my counterparts in the military and uh, you know Altec as a whole uh, it just embraces that that culture there's values that that uh, you know each associate uh, really entails and and it's ingrained it's just the type of people that that Altec uh, hires so uh, really really great company and and um, so it's, it's been fantastic working for Altec for two and a half years now Let's go back in time just a little bit, and I bet this is uh, some of what you just said will will uh, be the answer to some of the question here. But um, when you came to the conference, you, most of the companies that you interviewed with said yes to you. You ended up receiving uh, five different offers through the follow-up interview process, offers for employment. From the conference, you actually ranked Altec as your number one company. 
And then, of course, you received an, Alte an offer from Altec along with four other offers, but an, uh, an offer from Altec that you ultimately accepted. Um, tell me more. What was the main or maybe a couple of the main reasons? I assume the cultures and the values are, are a big driver there, but tell us more about why you ultimately said yes to this one company when a bunch of companies were pursuing you. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I I after my follow-up interview, um there were different offers on the table and and actually some of those offers had, had changed. Um there were there were two medical companies that the the locations may and and then in like another case the position they both changed. They were like, "Well, if you prefer a different location, you know we can we can accommodate and then the the actual position had changed from a guy that that I followed up with and um you know I was going to be kind of in a in a position a little bit different but it was it was very very um um you know to me like I was like wow this is in, in, even a better position but for Altec I, I think the the number one thing that that just stuck with me the most is the gut feeling that I had with the type of people that were in the company and, and just how everybody highly spoke of Altec. And, and I, I think at my follow-up, I, I told my, my national sales manager, I go, did you guys prep you know, every single person that we talked to, to, to really just speak positively about Altec? Cause at, at one point I'm like, man, from, from an hourly, uh, service position or, or welder or, or fabricator all the way up to you know a, a sales guy everyone had the same message and it was just the, the the culture and and how well you're treated so i think that that was a a huge factor just knowing that everyone was happy in their positions as well as just mm -hmm. the longevity of, of the associates uh there were a lot of people that you know had said i've been without that for 15 you know 20 you know 25 years so you know people don't stick around if they're not treated right so that was that was huge to me and then of course the position itself that i was i was interviewing for was uh the type of position that i wanted to it was a relatively new territory that needed to be developed and so there were some challenges that i'd be facing right away and that's the type of challenges that i was looking for so it really all just was uh, put together, and, and and I'm sure a lot of the DPP candidates, the number one thing in their back of their minds at least is location. But uh, to be honest, the location where I was going to be going with Altec was not number one. I mean, we didn't know anybody, but the the type of position and the challenge that I was going to be getting was far more important, plus opportunities. Okay, I want to dig into some of that. Um, I really want to talk about the idea of a, a, a territory that needed to be developed, but I think before we get into that topic, describe for me, if you would, what the day-to-day -day is for you. And I know day-to-day -day is very different uh, as a sales professional, and you can do a lot of things and a lot of different things over the course of a, a, a week's period and, you know, obviously five days in a working week kind of give us a sense of your average or, you know, your average day or your average flow or your average routine. Absolutely. Uh, so kind of the first year, it, it was a little different because, uh, you know, being in a territory that 
may not be as developed as others. I I was spending a lot of time you know, getting out there in front of customers. Like you know, if it was a particular week that I was on the road, uh, you know, a lot of cold calls and uh, and just a lot of follow up. But kind of the first year, it, it it was essentially a lot of training. There's you know, Altec is is a large large company, and so there's a lot of resources and. Uh, it's the old saying, like, like even within Altec, like Altec doesn't know what we don't know type of thing. So it's been a lot of time just getting familiar with the with the internal folks that were going to support me. But as as I grew in this territory and, and you know, started selling more trucks and and meeting more more customers, really the some of the day-to-day is driven by by customer, uh, you know, interaction. Either a truck is down, and and, and I need to support them. But uh, the the overall structure of of my schedule is on me. So you know, my boss is not calling to say, "Hey, what do you have going on this week or this month?" It's really driven, you know, by by what I consider to to be the most important aspect on building my territory. So uh, if there's times where I'm going to be spending you know, time in the office, so I, I don't work at an office. I either work from home or, or I'm on the road. So if it's an office day, I'm, I'm usually at home and, and, and taking care of administrative items. But if I'm out on the road and visiting customers or, or delivering trucks and uh, mixed in with cold calls. So what I really like about my position uh, being outside sales is no one day is the same. So there's a there's a lot of different uh, different things that I experience on on a day to day basis. So there is travel, uh, you know. So I'm I'm definitely traveling two or three nights a week, but uh, it, it's driven by you know where I think I need to be and where that that place is most important. Couple of follow up questions. First one. So you said first year, you know. As you're trying to develop a territory with, you know, no no real traction, you're getting in front of the customers and you're walking in front of them. Hey, I'm Bryce, your Altec guy. You know, tell me tell me what you need. Or sometimes you're just meeting them for the first time just to meet them. That that's a win and a victory in itself. And obviously, yeah. when you're pushing on that flywheel initially, uh, you know, you're not you're putting exerting a lot of effort and it's not moving very fast. But obviously you you've done that and now your flywheel is moving really fast. But the question or the concern that people bring to me as it relates to this conversation is okay, so you know, first year in the territory, don't really know what I'm doing, you know, maybe it's an underdeveloped territory and I've got to get some things going and you know there's training involved. And so, you know, it's not like you're going to be selling, 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 you know, everything you do is going to be moving in that direction. But, you know, again, it's going to feel like you're running in mud, at least, at least initially, what kind of pressure, here's the question, finally, what kind of pressure did you feel? Because I think that's the concern is people are like, well, if I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't sell anything, you know, they're going to fire me. And that's, that could be nowhere, that's nowhere near the truth. But tell me kind of that, how you felt about, okay, I got to go sell something today, but I don't really even know what I'm doing right now. Like, how'd you deal with that? Uh, well, I, I may be in, in a little different position because not all companies are the same, but 
my my company hired me and and I didn't have a quota for the first year. So okay. I I essentially started in January and really did not have a quota until I started cuz my my sales year is from, you know, August to July uh, 31st. And so I didn't have a quota starting off, so a lot of it was, hey, we we want you to to learn as much as you can about the industry, about your customer base, and then about the products. Because if you don't know the products and, and, and you can't talk to the products, then it's really tough to try to sell, you know, like especially if there's operators that you're going to be talking to who have been using, you know, these type of products for a long time. But, um, you know, as far as, come come august 1st uh you know being in a sales position you know they they're hiring us and and, and i'd say that this is a pretty accurate statement that any company is going to know is you being the new guy uh new to the industry most likely and new to a sales position that there's there's an initial learning curve so Mm -hmm. there's an expectation that that you're going to uh, need to get familiar and in tune with the territory, with the customer base, with the product, and then you know you'll be able to get out and and be successful. Um, where you know if there's an initial pressure on, hey, you need to get out there and sell, and you're not familiar with what you're selling um, and or the territory, it's going to be pretty tough. So the pressure right. for me was was really not there. Like I I had time to to develop, get my feet wet, and, and then you know, use those tools and resources to make me successful. I think, and I think that is the common thread that I see over and over and over again. I think the misconception is, you know, I'm going to go into a sales role and I'm immediately going to be faced up and get the quota and I don't even know what I'm doing out here. But, but I like the way you said that, you know, that people bring, you know, junior military officers in with no sales experience, no industry experience. With the with the acknowledgement and recognition that what you do bring to the table is that fire in the belly, and I'm not even going to have to worry about you selling. Once you figure out what's going on, you're just going to go do it yourself. Now that that yeah. does lead me to my next question, which is, okay, so you came from the Marine Corps ground supply officer. You know, you're deployed to you you know overseas. You're working that Uganda security mission that you described. Um, you know, it's very kind of like eight-week training calendar, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing now, you know, you don't live on a training calendar whatsoever. Like you said, if I need to take a day to stay home and do work in the office, that's what I'll do. Or if I need to drive down to, you know, I don't know, Portland, wherever wherever you would drive down to, that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to build my schedule. Now, that level of autonomy is not experienced by most military officers. So how did you, how did you get past the feeling of like, um, you know, I need to be doing something constantly because I think that's a lot of what military officers fight through if they go into a sales role. It's like feeling comfortable in a lot of white space that is not um, uh, normal to a JMO. Tell me about your experience in that. Well, you'd be so surprised how easy that, that transition is uh, because, yes, uh, you know, as a junior military officer, we're – you know, getting orders or, or, you know, briefs that we need to prepare, field exercises from operations officer, you know, above us to get out there and train your folks. So 
there's there's definitely a lot of autonomy. However, it's, it's very structured. You're going to do it the way that your boss wants you to do it. But where I see, you know, where the transition was so easy was the fact that I get to make my own territory mine. I'm not being told like, yes, here's here's uh, you know the direction, here's the left, right, lateral limits, and, and go. And if you're going to do it a different way, I, I may uh, I'll kind of redirect you. Whereas in corporate America, and at least in the position that I am, you know, it's it, it's my territory, it's my business that I'm building up. So that's the part that was so great is there's a ton of autonomy. Uh, and it, yeah, yeah, you are going to get some a lot of leeway, and and you know if if you don't. Um, make sure that, that you're doing the right things every day. You do have a lot of, you know, like love to hang yourself on. But I think that the reason why, you know, the junior military officer and, and these Canada candidates are, are so sought after is because uh, they don't need to be told what to do. They they actually want that responsibility. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to yeah. get out and, and go do great things. Um, and I've experienced it also with, with, with other associate account managers, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old coming out of college. And there's always been kind of a direction that they needed to go. And so now when somebody's not saying like, hey, you need to you need to go do this each week or month, it could be kind of scary where I think that we've had the responsibility and the experiences just to kind of know a know a certain direction and start heading towards it. So that transition mm-hmm. for me was, was fantastic. I, I really loved mm-hmm. the, the aspect that I initially would be able to make decisions that uh, impacted the bottom line, but at the same time, like some high level decisions with some very expensive equipment. And here I am being able to, to make those and, and, and go the direction that I think would be best. So I thought that transition was very easy. Beautiful. So let's go into uh, let's talk about your largest account. And I don't I don't really want to know their name. We don't have to get into that level of detail, but I really want to know. Okay, think about your largest account. First off, how big is your largest account? How many how many actual vehicles do they have in their fleet? My largest account probably they have anywhere from ten to fifteen, and um, and they're usually buying anywhere from one to three trucks a year from me. Um, okay. So it's, it's, it's a pretty large account. You know, this is, the, the equipment is, is really expensive. So you know, each sure. year, them adding to that, um, you know, is definitely a, a larger account within the sign industry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So when you're interacting at your largest account, how many different people – are associated with the decision to, you know, buy a truck. So in particular on on like a specific, like the largest account that I have, it is um, earned by just one individual um, who I had previously, his, his father had previously owned the company, but you know, it, it, it's, it's a different, scenario each time you know for instance we built the truck for him and it was just him and i and, and his input on how we wanted the truck built but on this last go around it was his his operators a lot of his input on how he wanted it specked out because it was going to be for for that specific operator so 
Um, okay. If if I were to look across the board, it it definitely varies from you know a single owner operator all the way to kind of a a corporate feel where I'm I'm dealing with like multiple folks within the organization. So it can be as easy as just dealing with one person or or I'm dealing with multiple people from you know the actually end user who's the operator to to the financing all the way to the ownership. So it it, it changes and it varies quite a bit. Gotcha. Let me um let me ask you about COVID nineteen and the effects that, that you've been having to wrestle with. Of course you're up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, tell me, tell me how you and your territory has been specifically affected by COVID nineteen. Yes, so it, it's varied because I, I I cover, you know, for instance, uh, six different states that that are definitely very different. You know, take Washington and Oregon, but I'm also covering, um, you know, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana. So the the restrictions changed and, and varied throughout you know the six states that I cover. So uh, my my more eastern states, Wyoming, uh, Idaho, and Montana, they were they were able to kind of keep the doors open. I know initially there was the scare of we really don't know what this thing is. So uh, a, a lot of a lot of companies did shut down for a while. Washington and Oregon, I, I think, took the biggest hit because they were construction wasn't considered essential for the first 60 days. So a lot mm-hmm. of the of, of my customer base shut down the doors for furloughed their people, and so it's very tough. You know, I've built relationships with these guys, and my aspect really turned into a support role, seeing how I can help all of these folks during this time. Not so much. You know, how, how do you shape a conversation when a customer base is laying off all of us guys and I come in and say, hey, you want to buy a truck? It, it just right. doesn't work. So so it's, right. been, it's been interesting navigating that, uh, but Altec just provided more resources on how we can help, whether it be payment deferrals, um, you know, being able to, to help customers that may have trucks in the pipeline. So it really did turn into a, a support role throughout all this and as it's opened up um you know now things are starting to to change where i'm reaching out to see if they need equipment or what they need help with but it was uh it was very interesting and kind of uncharted territories so i i probably would say that throughout all the industries everyone was kind of trying to figure out how to how to navigate through it and and you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's been good though so you're you're in the Portland area, right? Specifically in that geography. Correct. Yeah, I, I mean that's live that's where you live. Twenty minutes north of Portland. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So do you go up to the? So you cover the state six states you cover. You go up to Seattle, then that's is that your other major metro, or does someone else cover that? No. Nope. Yeah. So I I cover all six states and and all the cities. So Seattle, like the north of Seattle, or um, you know, all the way down to to Medford and, and and over to the eastern part of Montana. So it's definitely a lot of space to cover. So how do you decide where you, you you know? I think that would be a question with six states. It's like, wow, that's that's some geography to cover. How do you decide when you go to Idaho or when you go to Seattle? Like, help help us understand your your methodology for going places. 
Yes, uh, that's a great question. So the I-5 corridor from north of Seattle all the way down to Eugene, Oregon, uh, very populated, a uh, lot of business like, like within that corridor. So initially, that's really where I focused was um, knocking down doors and supporting customers. Uh, but as as kind of I realized the the same amount of business could be had in, in even in, in these less populated places. You know, take take southern Idaho from Boise to Idaho Falls. There's a lot of growth going on, so a lot of businesses opening, a lot of signs that need to be hung. Where I initially my my strategy was was to hit the corridor, but as as I started to grow within the territory, you you kind of just need to put yourself at at either A, the, the, the point of friction, or, or B, where where the most opportunity may lie. And and really, when I make it out to, to Wyoming or Montana, I realize that, hey, I probably should go hit those states in the summer months, because wintertime is not the hit and miss in itself. So that, that kind of built my, my, my first strategy. And I realized from Idaho Falls to Boise, I probably need to get down there once a quarter, and and really where I live, I can make a, a lot of a lot of headway uh, just just by living up here. So mm-hmm. it's been it's definitely been you know, a lot of planning, a lot of consideration. But as as I've evolved, um, you you kind of just kind of know where where you need to be, and 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 really it's at the end of the day customer driven. So if a customer needs you, you're going to jump on a plane and get out to them if if uh, that supports necessary. Yeah. Um, when you say you're on the road two, three nights a week, that that can sound potentially intimidating to someone who doesn't understand, you know, how uh, the flexibility that you have in your schedule. It sounds like you're you're working all day and then you're on the road all the time. But my guess is, and perhaps you can explain this and describe this. My guess is it, it doesn't feel like you're constantly gone and constantly kind of getting after it in that way. I know you're getting after it, obviously, but uh, how does it feel to be on the road for, you know, two, three nights a week, as you described? Yes. So kind of like the the backstory to this territory is, you know, I mentioned that it was under, it wasn't developed at all. So already up front, I was going into to this position knowing that there's going to be probably a lot more travel than a lot of my other counterparts throughout the United States. But it was it was uh, an opportunity and a position that if I just really knocked it out of the park and and grew this territory, uh, you know, quick in, in my mind, you know, I knew that there would be a lot more opportunity on the horizon. Which uh, you know, last week I I had interviewed for another position within the company and uh, it's, it's looking positive. So, to, to, but to answer your question, uh, I knew that I was going to be traveling. So there were some weeks that I was gone, you know, left on a Monday morning and got back Thursday afternoon or went you know, Tuesday to Friday. Uh, but you're, it's not the same as being gone like in the military, right? Like I'm, I'm still able to, talk to my wife during the day and, and, and all that. So it's, it, it is a little different in the sense that you don't feel like, oh, well, you know, I got out of the military to maybe spend more time with my family. 
because I, I do the opportunities there because when I'm home, I'm home. So my office day, I'm, I'm at home all, all day, you know, playing with the kids, yeah. having lunch and doing all that stuff. So it, it, it's a good balance, but like any right. position, the, the work life balance has to be there. You know, you, 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 you can't, uh, you know, go full throttle and, you're always gone and you're not taking care of your family. And, and I, I really think that any company knows that. So it, it's on, on me to, to make that work-life balance, uh, you know, even killed. You know, and one of the things you said, that any company knows that. And I think that's the thing that folks getting out of the military don't quite appreciate in corporate America. Like, we really do want your home life to be good because if your home, we know that if your home life isn't good, then the productivity is going to suffer. And so, it's just it's just a, the way it is out here. All right, final question, then I'm going to let you go. You mentioned last week you interviewed for another opportunity. That may be you know, it may not all be known and what, but can you share anything with us about that? Yeah. So, um, and you can edit this out. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk numbers, but overall. Uh, the the responsibility of of the the volume the sheer volume that I'm doing now is going to be about seven times. So for instance, if I'm on a three million dollar quote, I'm going to be anywhere from twenty one to twenty five million dollars of of sales and responsibility. Uh, I'm going to be swapping over from a uh, equipment sales to equipment rentals. So the the customer base is a little more strategic in, in their purchasing habits, larger electric utilities, electrical contractors. So in, in my opinion, you know, I, I feel that, that this position is, is you know, definitely a, a, a step up in responsibility, just as important. Yep. It, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm where I'm at now or where I'm going, you know, they're all very important, but the, like the territory is is a developed territory. The the account manager is retiring. Uh, she's been in the role uh, for for 17 years and has grown this territory significantly. Uh, so I have big shoes to fill. But I think what what helped me uh, be a great candidate for this role is you know coming into the position and and growing my territory over the last two and a half years. Uh, significantly, you know, the first year I grew it by over a thousand percent, and 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 then wow. this year I'll be about another thirty to forty percent on top of what I of what I grew it last year. So it's been it's been really good, and and I, I think having that track record of, of success in the last couple of years, um, you know, put me in a good spot. To, to be able to assume you know this position if if afforded the opportunity to continue to grow it, but the focus yeah. would be a little bit different. But uh, still, the same core concept of supporting customers who need to get in the air. Um, nice. Um, would you have to move? Well, uh, no. So I'm, I'm going to be covering the 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 same states and this. I, I think is is one of the most important things that that I I did, and, and I'm not saying it was like the keystone, but by me not making like the location of where we were going to start out a number one you know reason to to choose a job, 
I'm only two and a half years in, and, and now I'm going to be afforded the opportunity to to live exactly where my family and I want to live because we we decided that that the, that the position was the most important and and you know future opportunities would, would present themselves. So although that my wife and I are not from the Pacific Northwest, uh, now we're going to be able to most likely relocate within the next year or so down to like the like the Idaho, like like Boise, Twin Falls areas, because we're both originally from northern Nevada. So we're gonna be just a couple hours from home and it'll be a lot closer. And so it's really come full circle and and uh it, it's been fantastic. So we're really happy in, in that aspect as well. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, uh, that's fantastic. I mean, going, you know, in the in the in the throes of a global pandemic, you're you're doing great in the role that you've been assigned. Now you're getting promoted to a higher level role, more strategic level role with with lots of opportunity on the horizon. So, Bryce, it's great to chat with you again. It's really good to hear your voice and hear your experience. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes out and sharing uh, kind of who you are, where you've been, and where you're going with us this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to hear you know, from you guys as well. And again, appreciate all the all the support that you guys provided. Uh, I know that it was what about a four four and a half years from beginning to end, but uh, it's, it it was great. And, and I know that I want to be where I was at today with with the company that you know that I'm working for without uh, your guys's. Uh, insider uh you know relationships that you have with these great companies so i appreciate it i really appreciate it as well bryce great to chat with you well let's catch up again down a little bit let's not let a couple years pass let's catch up again before that love to hear uh, how things are going to progress for you um all right be safe out there and uh we'll talk to you soon all right thanks all right thanks bryce bye-bye